Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we went into isolation with Omid Jalili. Omid joined us. Um, he's been pretty active on social media and uh, keep an eye out for him. But he was on good form. Talked yeah, a bit was, of football as well. Uh, uh, we also... We we did. We had a chat about various things. We took you back to Rio in 2014 and uh, day two of the road trip. We brought you uh, some of the stuff that was going on there. We spoke to Mark Crossley because uh, we had a little bit of a half-hour nostalgia session talking about the late, great Brian Clough. So uh, Mark had a sensational a couple of stories from back in the day, so we'll uh, bring you those. Martin Kellner, and he was good, wasn't he? He did uh, a week of sport yeah. on TV. A typical so Martin, I think that's pretty really. much it. And, yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce's murder mystery as read by Ian Danter. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, yesterday after the show, I uh, decided to go for our daily walk. And I thought, well, I fed up nice. with walking around the building. That's really boring. Let's try the graveyard. I know it's a bit odd, but we thought, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a wonderful old graveyard in this beautiful old church, and it's very quiet. Yeah. So we thought, oh, we're walking around. It's quite big, so we had a nice long walk. And then we saw somebody uh, sitting, a young chap, sitting there with his yeah. young daughter. She was about four or five, and he, we said, hello, and he went, immediately went, are you Andy Jacobs from Talk Sport? Which is quite an odd thing what to happen the chances? in an he's old pro- cemetery. He's probably a listener who hangs around graveyards <laughs> just waiting for it to happen, because he knows you'll be there soon. <laughs> yeah, but what happened was he, he, he then naturally started to come towards me, you know, like you would if you saw somebody that you presumably like on radio or whatever, or know, say, put it yeah. this way, he's not going to lie. And so he started, I went, stand back, get back, because obviously it's natural to sort of go, <laughs> why, why so, so aggressive? <laughs> I know. And, uh, I do love the, uh, some very good stuff from Dr. Hillary in the Sun, some very good question and answers, everything you'd want to know about the virus. But one did strike me, I don't know who sent this question in, but this is incredible. This bloke asked Dr. Hillary, says, question, I've heard hot drinks can kill the virus. Is this correct? 
for goodness sake. Of course it isn't. Oh, why didn't we think of it? Let's have a load of rubbish. Let's have a cup of tea. That'll, that'll solve it. Um, I don't know about you, Paul, but I think the applause thing last night was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, amazing, really. I mean, we, we were out in the street. Our neighbours uh, were out in the street. We've got one or two people here who work for the NHS a- along the way. And all, I mean, I'm sure it was universal for everybody. All you could hear in your surrounding area was either kind of clapping in the immediate area or sort of distant clapping as well. It was a, it was a lovely feel-good moment, wasn't it? It was inspiring. And I, I'm not a political person. I don't care what your politics are. But we simply have to reward these people at the end of all this. We have to start paying them better. We have to find a way, don't we? Because they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, these video calls are great, though, aren't they, with uh, the family? I'm seeing more of my kids now than I do normally, which is quite incredible. <laughs> we we have no live racing for you today, I'm afraid, um, because Singapore uh, was the only place we felt we could go today for racing, a place called Cranji. And uh, unfortunately, Rupert can't find uh, the day's racing at Cranji on any of his monitors. So uh, I'm afraid we can't bring you that today unless we say Rupert wants to commentate on a, on a race at 11 o'clock at night from Australia. So uh, no live racing, I'm afraid. <laughs> Couldn't he make it up? I mean, anyway, uh, yesterday, <laughs> when, because we're uh, broadcasting remotely, uh, we have to test the lines before the show. So I didn't tell you this, but yesterday uh, we were testing the lines with our brilliant technical expert, Declan, who's done a wonderful job and he's been very patient with me, to say the least. And uh, he says to me, Andy, you're coming through very, very deep. Your voice sounds very low. I thought, great, leave it like that. I've always wanted to sound like Barry yeah. White. I thought it was tremendous. I've always wanted <laughs> one of those radio voices, but it uh, it didn't happen. Did you see uh, Britney Spears? As she's done a bit of a Mike Perry yeah. ball. She, she claims she can run 100 metres in 5.9 seconds, almost four seconds faster than world record holder Usain Bolt. I love the fact that she's described as the oops, I did it again singer. I mean, how long ago was that out? <laughs> <laughs> It is incredibly impressive, Andy. It is incredibly impressive, isn't it, that uh, she can almost halve Usain Bolt's time. I wonder, uh, she she should follow up on this because she's got, like, international global ridicule for this. So I'm surprised she's not come back and say, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, she's just letting it stand that she's still claiming she did it in (laughs) 5.6 seconds. Well, she's quick. You've got to hand it to her. But this letter in the, in the Sun today from, I won't name him because it's a bit unfair, but a bloke from Portsmouth, but he says, uh, I'm sure my supermarket's in-store music wasn't deliberate, but Toxic by Britney Spears, followed by Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, was so inappropriate it made me chuckle. You think, that so didn't happen. That so wasn't played in a supermarket, was it? No, not a way in the world were those two back to back. It's uh, it's just too good. It's a fifty pound letter, so he would say job done. One of the sports, Andy, I should tell you that's um, really uh, a sport you wouldn't necessarily. Oh, I say sport you wouldn't necessarily think is uh, suffering at the moment with the coronavirus is bridge. But I bring you bridge news. We haven't got a jingle for it because it's quite a rare occurrence. <laughs> bridge but, news. Uh, oh, bridge news on talks. <laughs> we get the idea. Uh, yeah. The English Bridge Union has announced the cancellation of the Shapiro Spring foursomes. Well, I always really oh, no. look forward to them. <laughs> and and the That's... British Spring Simultaneous Pairs, they've gone as well. Oh, no. That's not Helen Shapiro. That's Boris Shapiro, the famous bridge player. Great bridge okay. knowledge there from me. Who knew? And uh, I've got more bridge my... news. Hang on. More okay. bridge news. Uh, for all knockout competitions, uh, the Hubert Phillips, which is the magic <laughs> of the Hubert Phillips, the Gerald <laughs> Faulkner, the Silver oh, no. Plate, 
the Croxford Cup. He's a lovely bloke, old Croxford Cup. <laughs> and the National Interclub Knockout. The English Bridge Union is extending deadline dates and encouraging teams to play their matches online, which I thought would make sense. Can you have the UK chair? Can you yeah. have the Shapiro online? Uh, let's push for it. 08717 Should the Shapiro uh, be taken online? We want to hear from you this afternoon. Oh, not the Gerald Faulkner. Not that one. And Gone. <laughs> the Tour de France, apparently, might take place behind closed doors. I'm very interested to know how that will happen. There aren't any doors. It's a street. It's a road in the country. There's no doors. And uh, Max Whitlock uh, is going to be offering home gymnastics uh, sessions, a bit like Joe Wixpool. And he says that he's worried about getting injured. He's worried about getting injured. I don't think fancy doing a sort of triple... Salco, no, it's ice skating, but you know what I mean. One of those. My mum's been doing it with Max. She's been up past four every really? day. She's fantastic Balance on the asymmetric beam. bars at the moment. <laughs> she do, you want to see her crucifix on the rings? She's been doing it for eighty-eight. She's just, she's quite amazing. She's doing. She, the flying, uh, flying dismounts are really coming on. And I think <laughs> you misunderstood lovely. the news about the the Tour de France, Andy. Uh, it's not oh, behind yeah. closed doors. It will be without a crowd, so it will still be out. But they won't allow crowds out there. It won't, they won't be taking it indoors. Um, no, so it I said, think that's what they meant by that. <laughs> it did, but the paper said uh, incredible behind closed doors suggestion. It said, which obviously not going to happen. <laughs> I'll just read you this one because the Guardian's corrections and clarifications, so famous, of course, for this, uh, it still continues during this time. And uh, today's one's a football one, so I'm sure you'll be interested in this. The uh, caption for a photograph accompanying an interview with Watford's head coach Nigel Pearson said it showed him with Gerard de la Feo after the 3 0 loss at Manchester United last month. It was was, however, a picture of Pearson watching a different Premier League match in which Watford lost to Crystal Palace earlier this month. Oh, thank goodness, it's really been bothering me. <laughs> I've barely <Yes>. slept. <laughs> Ridiculous. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Well, joining us now, we're, lo- we're looking to keep the spirits up. Of, uh, of of an elderly member of the community now. We're going to talk <laughs> a bit me? of football with him. No, 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 it's not. Uh, no, uh, joining us, he's been very entertaining on Twitter, despite everything that's going on at the moment, as he's always very entertaining in most ways. It is uh, the brilliant uh, Omid Jalili. Uh, Omid, good afternoon. Good afternoon. But, uh, boys, I understand you've, you've isolated from each other. You're in different parts of London right now. We are. Yeah, that's right. We are. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of North London, Hertfordshire borders. Andy's in sunny Chiswick. We are. We're. We're in the kind of. Uh, we're in our bunkers. We're in our living room nerve centres. I'm in this afternoon. Oh, this is fantastic. No, well, th- and thank you for mentioning my Twitter. I've just. Uh, we've been trying to, I suppose, connect as a family, and um, we've said things that we don't like like about each other. And my son said, "You're on Twitter all the time." You just, I've seen you on your phone, and I had a. I just gave him a big earful because I'm not on Twitter all the time. I've got other stuff to do. I'm a comedian. All my work's gone. I'm trying to work out what to do. But actually, I can reveal to you, to you all, I have been on Twitter the whole time, looking at every single reply, trying to think of anything I can tweet just to pass the time. But yes, I, I'm glad you. Um, I'm glad you found it entertaining because I think it's important yeah. these days that we. Uh, we, we keep, keep a smile on our face and ride this through with, with as much kind of upliftment as we can. What's, what's your kind of family setup at the moment? What's, what's happening in the Jalili household? How's it all working out? We've all isolated from each other. Um, my kids gave me a, a list, actually, of things. And they said, the, the final thing was keep to your part of the house. <laughs> really? And please, <laughs> re- please refrain from um, 
discussing news updates with melodrama. Because I always say, have you heard the latest? Can you believe this? And they, I don't think they appreciate me talking to them like that. But, um, yeah, we try and have meals. We always have the evening meal together. I think that's the thing. And we get together and usually um, watch the news a bit to get the latest. And uh, and we're trying to, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of my boys. They uh, There's a WhatsApp group on our road. And um, apparently all the small children have been very, um, they're bo- a bit bored and a bit frightened. So, uh we found a bear, a bear outfit that my son had that he was going to use for some shoot, which he never used. So my youngest son, who's about 20, put on the bear outfit. And my other son, who's 24, they went door to door, keeping a proper distance, about two or three meters from, yeah. uh, from families and singing songs to the small children, um, aged between <laughs> kind of like three and five. And um, yeah. that's been really wonderful. I haven't posted them on on Twitter because I don't think it's right to do that yet. But but stuff. I think if people, we've really been taken by the spirit of community everyone's having. So everybody mm. was clapping yesterday for the for the NHS, and all day we've been you know people are visiting each other, just talking outside the windows, seeing if everyone's all right, singing songs to each other. They want me to do stand up for them now. So. I might go door to door and just do all my, do my, the same joke I've been doing that you're supposed to take hand sanitizer. I've drunk two bottles and I feel better now. It's all stuff like that. So we're just trying to do stuff that's community based. Are you missing nice. football, Omid? Oh God, am I missing the football? Yeah, I'm watching all the reruns on, on telly and um, people think that, you know, we do miss the football and. It, it, my sons have told me to stop talking about football because I'm always using football <laughs> analogies now. I said that you know we, mm. we've got to be uh, in life. We've got to defend our, our. We've got to defend our wares. We've got to defend. It's a bit like you know, in the old days the Italians used to play defensive. But we got. They said, could you stop talking about football? They think I'm football <laughs> obsessed. But you know, it, it's not that football pales into insignificance. But I, I am very inspired by. A lot of the football, a lot of footballers are kind of putting all the stuff. You know, first it was keepy uppies with toilet rolls, and and I think that um, I saw the Liverpool Football Club have just put out that thing about thanking the NHS. I think that the fact that they've come forward and on social media doing a lot for the community, I think it's it, it's the right way to go, and I'm very proud of the football family doing that. And uh, uh, I noticed uh, one of your tweets. I mean, sorry, Andy, from one of your tweets, you said that the kids also apart from. Uh, you you being melodramatic and staying in your part of the house. They said, um, don't discuss your bowel habits or your career. And stop singing, they said. <laughs> stop singing, yes. I've been doing lots of singing because um, they can hear me. When I'm, when I'm about to post a, some kind of ABBA song, they can hear me in the toilet to kind of to practice. <laughs> and um, I, I, they, they have connected bowel habits and career. And I've often been sending messages <laughs> to people that here's the sound of my career, and I uh, do the flush because I think oh, that's what yeah. a lot of comedians <laughs> are going through. All our work is gone. But, you know, I've, I'm planning a few more videos. I've got a little um, isolation tips video I'll be sending this afternoon. And I think it's important that comedians keep, keep flexing their muscles and, and, and be aware that this is, this is a very creative time. I mean, we can't actually go on stage to do our jokes, but it's a creative time. We, we, you can make videos, you can send funny tweets, and you can retweet. There's a lot of very funny stuff out there right now. So I've got, uh, mm. I've got an army of about 12 friends who keep up to date with things, and they DM me stuff, and I'll try and pump it out. But, it's, uh, but in general, I have to say, I live near Richmond Park, and this no-pollution thing has been amazing. The, 
you look at the sky, we've had amazing weather. And it, there does seem to be a feeling that the, the, the planet is healing itself, that there's no planes in the sky, there's no cars on the street, and the air smells very fresh. And maybe this is an important thing. We, I mean, there's obviously worries about, you know, the economic crash and, and, and things coming, slowing down. But actually, I have to say, as far as the planet is concerned, I've never seen things looking so beautiful around here. And, and, and the sense of community that's, that's, that's coming out is uh, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe another couple of weeks of this and hopefully we'll be getting back to normal. But um, I think in, in the meantime, comedians, we're very lazy. I quite like not working. I quite like just being at home and, <laughs> and trying to declutter and trying to do a, a few things. Watch out for my um, self-isolation video that's coming out in a couple of hours. So that, that'll give you some tips of how you can spend your time properly. And really? uh, Ahmed, will there be will there be any dancing in it? And people love your dancing. It's a speciality of yours. I've already tweeted stage. a couple of things with dance. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of dance things I've put on there as well, um, but mostly from stuff I've already done for sport relief. But uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you've got to keep your chin up, keep writing jokes, yeah. keep listening to people like you. You guys really cheer people up as well. So if you can do anything to to listen to radios, radio shows like yours, podcasts, watch some funny films. Although for some reason. I was telling my kids this, that let's, uh, let's all raise the spirits, and I'd be making them watch Narcos, which is uh, oh, yeah. a Netflix about <laughs> Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And they're very disturbed with my choices, and I'm sat there with popcorn. So it is brilliant. And they keep wanting to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm afterwards to balance things out, or On the Butters. <laughs> I make them watch On the Butters as well. I try and make them just explain them how Blakey, Blakey was a character that really influenced my life. So uh, I think Netflix is a great way to go. And, and, and for people who've got younger kids, there's a series I did called Letter for the King, which is kind of aimed for the 10 to 14 year bracket bracket. It's a, it's a big blockbuster thing, which is meant to be like a cross between Game of Thrones and Stranger Things. Uh, and that's on Netflix now called Letter for the King. So watch that. And I'm in it as well. And I, I play a baddie. I, I play um, uh, a kind of politician knight called Sir Fantomar who's always lying. So uh, it, it's, uh, you'll probably recognize who I'm trying to play. We won't mention any names, but it's, uh, it's, it's a fun, <laughs> fun series to watch as well. If, uh, if people want another fix of you, uh, on Amazon Prime, the, the Infidels there, David Baddiel's film that you starred in. That's oh, yeah, up, is that on? Yeah, I've been getting tweets. I didn't know that was on Amazon. That, that explains it. Yeah, that was... Uh, Amazon Prime, yeah. That's about a Muslim who finds out he's a Jew. And um, yeah. I think there's a lot of... And he's a Tottenham fan as well, um, oh, which we put tremendous. in as a... As a, as, as a fun thing that he's, um, he's a Muslim who supports a, a, a supposedly Jewish supporting club. But, um, uh, yeah, that's on there now. It's, 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 a, it's a good little piece, actually. So if you haven't seen it, we do recommend that as well. Surely On the Buses isn't on Netflix. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> It'd be great if it was. That was very fun. Did, was that you, Paul, just you. that, that uh, Ancelotti was... Uh, Talking about up Pompeii. <laughs> I just think I think he's looking more like Frankie Howard every year, Carlo. He just he, oh no, no. I mean, just he's going to start doing press conferences and saying, I, "I said to you on Wednesday, was it Thursday? No, it was Tuesday." He's going to, he's going to start doing the prologue. He does, I would love it if like he's watching Carry On films and just does a just a matron. If he becomes Kenneth yeah. Williams, then that'll be that'll be that'll be my life made completely. And Lottie James. <laughs> Williams. Bit, I tell you what, I'm gonna la- I'm gonna land this on the team because I had it yesterday. I don't know if our producer can find this. Before we let you go, I'm gonna find you a bit of Kenneth Williams because 
you're right about social media. I've been finding things on social media, and the, the, I've been finding pleasure in in the unlikeliest of places. And one of them is this fantastic thing called the Kenneth Williams Archive. Uh, some brave soul has gone through all the archive of Kenneth Williams in action, found a lot of his TV performances and stuff. And you forget how brilliant he was. So they have found it. So this is a little story told. It's one of his old stories that was part of his set, really. But it's a great little tale. This is him talking to Joan Rivers about doing book signings uh, around the country. And he tells a little anecdote about another author who's doing a book signing. Listen to this. Yes, we have autograph sessions in these shops. There was one where Monica Dickens, she was asked for an autograph session, and she wrote in, because the woman said Emma Chesit, so she put, with love, to Emma Chesit, and the woman said, what you written in here? She said, your name, Emma. You said Emma Chesit. She said, I said Emma Chesit. <laughs> and she ruined the book. And she ruined the book. There we are, the old How Much Is It story. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Will you tweet that? Then we'll retweet it to everyone. Is that a Twitter handle? It's, I, can't, I, will, I will send it out. I'll send it out via Mile and Talksport. It's, yes, the Kenneth Williams archive. It's, uh, uh, there's brilliant. some great old stuff on there. It's, uh, it's just what we need at the minute, really. So. I, can never, I can never think of uh, Joan Rivers without thinking of Wrighty's agent when uh, I was trying to get him on fantasy football. And uh, Wrighty had just been on Clive Anderson with Joan Rivers. And uh, Wrighty's agent tried to convince me that Joan Rivers was bricking it, having to follow Wrighty, because Wrighty was so brilliant. I was thinking to myself, Joan Rivers, she's on about a million chat shows. I was not actually worried about following Wrighty. But he said, Joan Rivers, she was bricking it. She didn't actually use that expression. I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> well, Good look, if it's Jeff Wrighty's Weston. agent, he's going to talk Wrighty up. But, I mean, you know, I think probably 20 years of Johnny Carson would have girded her for following Wrighty. <laughs> Uh, as much as we, as much as we love Wrighty, uh, I think I think she probably you're right. She probably did uh, cope. So, uh, what's what's on the agenda this afternoon and this evening, then, Ahmed? What's happening? In uh, your yeah, household? just putting this little video about isolation tips and um, just thinking of more stuff. Trying to save my career, I suppose. More more sound effects of me flushing the toilet. Send this the sound of my career. Going to send it out to lots of people, and um, and try and watch more Narcos. Uh, with uh, interspersed with Kirby enthusiasm, that's my day ahead. Brilliant. That sounds good. A bit of Chelsea news for you, uh, Omid. Uh, there's st- story this morning linking Manuel Neuer with the club and uh, the goalkeeper. I mean, wow. Yeah, I know that would be. I'm not sure. I think he's past his best though, don't you? But he is a good keeper. But I don't know if it's true. I've always thought be... Manuel Neuer was a thinner version of James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and actually, I tweeted that to James Corden, and he said, "I've always thought that if I lost a bit of weight, I'd be J- I'd be Manuel Neuer. If you look at his face, he's got exactly the same face. Carpool karaoke. He's a great keeper, actually. Yeah, very good karaoke year. with with Neuer. That'd be good. Yeah, go on, Paul. Fantastic. But we want Jaden Sancho. That's the one we want. But you know, at the moment, do we know if the football season is not going to start this season again? Surely not. Surely not. Do you have any? Do you have any updates? Yeah. No, no, no. We're in the we're in the dark as much as you are, Omid. Really, I mean, you know, who knows? I don't think anybody can make any calls on that uh, right oh now. My goodness. Uh, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We've got Steve Bruce's murder mystery uh, coming up. But before that, Andy, do you have anything? Oh, yes. I thought we were going to do dance, but that's fine. Yes, um, I have, actually. Uh, let's, let me see. Yeah, it's very interesting because I'm having to broadcast in here uh, in the in the lounge sort of thing. And Sue, who normally be in here watching the TV, watching doctors and things like that, she's taken over my den where I watch football. And, uh, and I keep right. all my sports memorabilia. So I've got a lovely collection of things that I've had collected from around the world when we've done tournaments and things like that. And, uh, but my son said to her last night, she should move it all off and replace it with her hairdressing stuff, which I thought was quite a good idea, really. Make her feel good. And um, have you seen that? Uh, it's dog news. Actually, I've got a bit of dog news for you. And, uh, dog news. I know well, I was thinking about this because it's really, dogs must be loving this. They must be one of the few people, not people, they're not people, are they? Few <laughs> 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 a few, a few uh, entities uh, loving this because dogs love company, don't they? They love lots of people. They love lots of attention. So it's perfect for them, isn't it? I mean, how's Molly taking it? She's been, like all dogs probably at the moment, getting more walk, more walking than uh, she probably wants um, because everybody's always up for taking the dog for a walk. So, uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely loving it. You're right, loving the company, loving having people around all the time and loving being uh, walked to death. I, I will tell her she's an entity, though. She probably has no idea. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I thought you should allow her in because you were saying that she's quite tricky to be with if you're broadcasting. But I, I think... Yeah, yeah she'll, she'll pull all fun. the wires out accidentally and start <laughs> jumping up and stuff. It'd just be carnage. We, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a yeah. great idea. I'd like to think, you know, we took her to obedience classes, but I might as well just <laughs> throw the money in the bin, let's be honest. It's a waste, of, waste of time. She's in charge. I feel the same about Sue, really, so I don't want to come in. <laughs> no, no. So anyway, supply- Andy, yeah. we should crack on with Steve. So we'll do that yes. now. Um, and this is Steve Bruce's murder mystery. Just to remind you, if you're joining us for day three, I think you can pick up the story. He wrote three books in the late... This, that's right, Steve Bruce, the Newcastle manager, wrote three murder mystery books. And it's a, you know, it's a fantastic thing to have done. Talk about outside your comfort zone. Um, they tell the story of Steve Barnes, who's in charge of a club called Leddersford Town. His job is to get them into uh, the Premier League. Um, but something's happened in this book, Striker. Um, Steve Barnes is, well, I think we can give you a bit of a recap now before we get into uh, part three. Here's Steve reading his own book. 
Bright red blood on the knife blade, the knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. That's when Carberry opens the door. What I never guessed was that one day I'd make the top grade. I'd like to think that scouts came along to matches almost by chance and spotted my talents. It wasn't like that. My dad was active on my behalf. He got in touch with club scouts and invited them to come along and have a look at what he called this young prospect. He didn't say the young prospect was his son. Oh, so here we go then, part three of um, the story, read by Steve himself, kind of. And uh, so here we are. He's been standing over the body uh, of one of his players. He's been caught by his assistant manager, and he's now kind of telling us a little bit more about his backstory as a footballer. As luck would have it, I played for teams that did well locally. At the age of 15, I went to St James Park for a trial. Playing for Newcastle United was my dream. Me and thousands of others in the northeast. It wasn't to be. I played my heart out, but they didn't make me an offer. I started my professional career with Girlington City. Not a fashionable site, but it was an excellent apprenticeship. Anyway, enough of that. Here I was, at the age of 38, first team coach at Leddesford Town. I'd been in the job a matter of a couple of months. My first post as player manager was with Threshfield United. My job was to get the site back into the Premier Division, where Everybody in the city said they belonged. There was a major problem. The usual problem. Lack of money for new players. That meant a youth policy, and maybe three or four years before I could even claim success, the directors wanted success this season. So they wanted the impossible. So when I was headhunted by Leddesford, and the owner of the club was a millionaire, there was a promise of money for players. I jumped at the opportunity. Who wouldn't? There was a short list of five candidates for the post. I went for the final interview brimming with confidence. I felt sure that if I could impress Sir Lawrence, the owner, he would carry the others with him. And I was right. I went for Pat Duffy right away. I'd watched him play several times when I was still with Threshfield. He was only 16 years old and yet he played like a man of mature years. The boy was a sensation, off and on the ball. I reckon he'd played for the Republic of Ireland before he was 18. He was the new Ryan Giggs, the Irish Joe Cole. No doubt he'd moved to a top Premier club for a big transfer fee. Unless we at Leddesford could climb out of the ruck and into the Premier Division ourselves. So this is our rising young star, Sir Lawrence said to me one day. Sir Lawrence Brook, our chairman and owner. He called me off the training ground where we were planning a number of strategies. I was still player manager and although I didn't turn out for the first team anymore, I sometimes turned out for the reserves and regularly got stuck in with the lads during training sessions. He's a good young prospect, I said, echoing my father's words about me. When will he be ready? Sir Lawrence asked. Not for a while yet, I said. He needs to put on some muscle. He certainly seems to have what it takes already, Sir Lawrence said, smiling with the satisfied assurance of a guy with millions of books in the bank. He's not ready, I said. He'll be kicked off the park. They didn't kick John Charles off the park, Sir Lawrence reminded me. John Charles, Leeds United and Wales, equally brilliant as striker or central defender. He was as strong as a bull and had brains to go with his strength and skills. At that moment, 
Duffy hit a high volley and the ball rocketed into the back of the net. Even other members of the squad started to clap their hands in appreciation. And hey, you don't get that too often during a training session. So there we are. A little bit of oh. a backstory there from Steve and Sir Lawrence. And uh, it's, it's, these are the words, uh, truthfully, of Steve Bruce, the Newcastle manager and his book striker. Um, but not Steve. We have to be honest. That is the brilliant Ian Danter bringing you Steve. So uh, we'll bring you another instalment on Monday. I'm Leathersfield till I die now. Tremendous. I'm really into that. Yeah. Uh, he said, at one point he said he's got millions of books in the bank. Has he? Yeah. I'm sure that's a library. <laughs> I said you said, probably a message to Mike Ashley. So um, <laughs> let's bring you our other uh, series uh, on this day in history yesterday. Uh, a slight variation on the theme of on this day in sport where we look back on something that um, happened yesterday. It, look, okay. it is a bit flimsy. We know that as a premise. And yesterday was the uh, anniversary in 1993, the sad passing of a college football player in the States, and his name was Roy Regals. Now, Andy, what do you know him as? Wrong Way Regals. Uh, Wrong Way Regals. Are you going to tell us why, or should I tell you why? No, you, you, can, you, you fill us in. He was playing in a game, wasn't he? He was playing in a big game for his, uh, for his uh, university against uh, another side. It is. It's, it's on YouTube. It's, it's an amazing moment. He, good old Roy, I don't know what happened to him in the match. He had a sort of brainstorm. He gets the ball and he suddenly starts running the wrong way towards his own goal, which is or his own touchdown line, which is basically a safety. It's two points to the other team. And nobody really stopped him because why would they? Even his own team didn't. They just stood there and couldn't believe it. It's an amazing moment, really. Well, look, do you want to hear from Roy himself? We found a little bit oh, okay. uh, of Roy explaining what went on. Wrong way, Regals. We just changed goals. Why, uh, Georgia Tech made a wide end run to the left, and our captain, Irv Phillips, tackled him. The ball squirted out of stump of his hand, and I picked it up and started toward my own goal. In eluding tacklers, why, I uh, became confused and turned and ran the other way, uh, down the other end of the field and was chased by my teammate and all the Georgia Tech players. On the way down, I could hear my teammate Benny Lom uh, hollering at me to stop. I was going the wrong way and I thought he was completely off his <laughs> rocker. <laughs> and uh, I slowed down and he grabbed me by the shirt and tried to turn me around. And just about that time, I was hit by the whole Georgia Tech team and I landed about two feet from the goal line. If I could have dug a hole in that turf, I'd have crawled in and covered myself up and not appeared again. Yeah, but he did appear again. I think I, I dropped off slightly uh, earlier on. He was a brilliant player, and he came back. He did appear again and had a real... Oh, you've gone again, Paul. But uh, he was incredible. I agree with you. He was absolutely amazing. No question about it. And uh, it is an incredible incident. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate when you're a great sportsman, you get tarred with that one brush that sort of affects you throughout your whole career. Absolutely. Anyway, there we are. Uh, wrong way, Regals, on this day in uh, sporting history yesterday. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. We are talking about uh, Brian Clough this afternoon, the late great Brian Clough in a little sporting memories uh, section. Uh, and uh, joining us now, man, I think who has a million stories, we'll barely squeeze them in, uh, is uh, former keeper at Forest, Mark Crossley. Good afternoon, Mark. Morning, guys. 
afternoon. Uh, knowing you're coming, <laughs> no problem. Knowing you're coming on, a lot of fans have been saying, oh, you've got to get Norm to tell this and tell that. But there's, uh, there's no. one, one of the listeners says that uh, Brian got you to turn out for um, for another team, didn't he? Apart from Forest, he got you to turn out in, in another That's match it, for, a, yeah. for another That's, side. Uh, well, it gave me my debut in certain circumstances, and I was an apprentice at the time. And um, Steve Sutton, our first team goalkeeper, had gone down with an injury. Have you got? Have you got a few minutes? Cause it takes a few minutes. This yeah. one. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> we yeah. got time. Well, Steve Sutton had actually. Uh, it gone down with a virus, sorry, during the day. We had a, it was uh, October the 26th, 1988. Remember that day? And I was living in Diggs. And Steve Sutton went down with a virus during the day. Hans Seegers was out on loan at Wimbledon. Paul Crichton was injured. Darren Hayes was injured. There was only me left. <laughs> so I got given my debut. My father had had a phone call during the day saying, Mr. Crossley, get yourself down to the game tonight. Mark's playing against Liverpool. But whatever you do, don't tell him, because he'll uh, himself. So my dad didn't tell me, but my dad went down to the game. Um, seven o'clock, I mean, this this is what he was. He was a man manager, a brilliant man manager, and a mm. psychological manager. So at seven o'clock, um, well, as apprentices, we're given jobs to do. So we've got a midweek game, we're given jobs to do. We're Liverpool are arriving. So at half past five, when you arrive at the ground, you're given a job to do. And my job that night was to make sure that the central eating in the away team dressing room was turned up full blast. Apparently, the hydration <laughs> gives you a better chance of winning. Message from the manager. <laughs> so at seven o'clock, I'm in what they call the boot room. And you're making sure that all the players' boots are ready for them when they go out for the game. Mm. Well, I get the shout, and I can't say on air what he actually used to call me. Um, <laughs> but he called me, it began with S, and it was house. So, ah, right. right. <laughs> Most people do know. Yes. Because um, that's what he used to call me. Why, I don't know. Anyway, he said, son, get your boots on and get your gloves on. You're playing. I said, what? Mm. He said, you're playing. I said, are you winding me up? Get your boots on and your gloves, you're playing. Now, this was 7 o'clock, so basically I had no time to think about what was going to happen in the game. Uh, Stuart Pearce said to me, big fella, whatever you do, just play the game as though you're playing with your mates in the park. I said, OK, brilliant. So basically got 45 minutes for, to get ready for the, the kickoff. Uh, brilliant man management because I didn't have no time to think about it. Anyway, we won the game. Mm. We won the game 2-1. Neil Webb and Brian Rice uh, for Forest and Ian Rush for Liverpool. But after the game, I can't really remember anything that happened in the game. It just went like a flash. But after the game, he asked me to follow him to the referee's room. So I obliged, followed the manager, knocked on the door. Uh, referee invites us in. So we stood in the referee's room and he said, I'd like the match ball for the house from Barnsley. Yeah. <laughs> which the referee said, I can't give you the match ball, uh, Brian. He said, um, I can only give the match ball to someone who scores an attic. Anyway, he took the ball out of the referee's hand and he gave it to me and he said, off you go, son, as quick as you can with that ball. So I runs off with a match ball, goes in the dressing room, gets it signed by all the players that he made my debut with on the night. And then he comes back in and he said, now go and knock on their door down the corridor and ask them if they'll sign it as well. So I'm thinking, we've just beat Liverpool 2-1, and he wants me to go down there and knock on Kenny Daglish's dressing room door and ask if they'll sign the ball. 
to Kenny Dagley, honestly, he was an absolute diamond. He knew why I was there. But as I'm walking down the corridor, I thought, I'll just go halfway down because I don't really want to do it. It's a bit, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable with it. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll turn back and I'll just tell the manager that they refused to do it. But as <sighs> I turned around halfway down the corridor, he stood at the door. Rugby shirt, green sweater, blue tracky bottoms, pair of wellies on. He's got his tennis racket in his hand. And he said, <laughs> knock on the door, house. Knock on the door. So I turned back around and go and knock on the door. <laughs> but Kenny was brilliant. He, he, got, he know, knew I was there, and I've got the ball. I still have the ball to this day. Oh. Now, following Saturday, we play Newcastle away. Steve hmm. Sutton is now fit to play. So I'm thinking, he's trained all week. That's me done. I've made my debut brilliant. Beat Liverpool. That's a great start. Anyway, he keeps me in the team. We beat Newcastle away 1-0. Keep a clean sheet. Lee Chapman scores for Forest. Following Saturday, Coventry FA Cup. I make my first mistake but we go on to win the game 3-2. Now, after the game, I'm getting probably a little bit too overconfident, thinking, you know, this is easy, this, but as we know, it's not. Um, mm. And he seemed... I, I picked up my boots and my gloves, and I turned around to the rest of the players, and I said, see you on Monday, lads, thinking yeah. that Sunday, naturally, is a day off. To which he replied, where do you think you're going, Barnsley? Said, that's where I'm going, boss. I'm going back to Barnsley. He said, my house tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, bring your boots, and it would help if you bring your gloves as well. Don't be late. So I'm thinking, right, nine o'clock at his house, Sunday morning. I don't know where he lives. How am I going to get there? So we had a groundsman called Chaz, and he said, I'll take you, big fella, don't worry. So he take, picks me up at eight o'clock at the city ground, and he takes me through to the boss's house. We pull up outside, and I walk up the drive at five to nine. And Barbara answers the door, his wife. She said, hello, Mark, how are you doing? She said, I'm Barbara, Brian's wife. She said, he's upstairs, he'll be down in five minutes. Mm. I said, okay, no problem. I still don't know why I'm there. So we're sat having a cup of tea and a slice of toast in, in the kitchen, and we're chatting away, and the manager comes down. He's got a squash racket in his hand this time, and he comes up to me, and he said, I won't call you house because Barbara's here yeah. he says but what I would like to say is thank you son so I said what for boss now Simon who's chief scout Burton Albion now works with Nigel to a son hmm. he was the manager of a team called AC Hunters in Division 5 of the Derbyshire Sunday League and they didn't have a goalkeeper <laughs> <laughs> so the gaffer goes to me thank you for agreeing to play for Simon's team this morning <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got a goalkeeper, and I thought you'd do. <laughs> so, oh, no. Honestly, gospel truth. So I played the game, <laughs> win the green card comfortably. I could not believe it. When the game kicked off, I looked over to my right-hand side, and Archie Gemmell, our first-team coach, European Cup winner, everything, great, brilliant player, Scotland and everything, he's the linesman. Yeah. He's running up and down the line. <laughs> he's the linesman. <laughs> so... Anyway, AC Hunters that day got fined £50 for playing a ringer. Oh, right. Which was me. And Brian right. Clough took £50 out of my wages at Nottingham Forest to, play, to pay the fine. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> That's a brilliant story. Oh, brilliant, Mark. Thank you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport.
Yes, good afternoon. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Clips of the week coming up. Mike Ward with a pick of the weekend's TV away from the sport. But we're going to look at sport on TV at the moment. He has so much to choose from. It is, of course, <laughs> squad number nine, Martin Kellner. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, boys. You all okay? Not too bad, thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, live sport, I imagine, has, has, has been at a premium and from your oh. point of view. So I take it you've been watching the stuff in delays, the recorded stuff. Well, I've been watching other stuff. I mean, not a lot of uh, sport that was, uh, you know, that was even live at the time. But I've been watching other stuff, documentaries no. <laughs> mostly. Uh, pointless, I've been watching that a bit. That's moved on to BBC Two. <laughs> I knew there was a crisis when Pointless went from BBC One to BBC Two. That's always a problem. But yeah, I've been watching stuff. I also, just before we start on the uh, panoply of stuff I've been watching, boys, um, mm. I was interested to read the uh, menu at uh, Tottenham. I don't know whether you've ever tucked into this here because we were talking about the tabloids. Remember, you tuck into stuff. Did you yeah, ever? Of course tuck you do. Into... Yeah, you feast yes. on and you tuck you into, feast. don't you? Did you? Have you ever feasted mm. on Loch Duart salmon, fennel salad, avocado puree, and pink grapefruit for your starter? <laughs> and their main course no. of roast fillet of sorts. The microphone just fell over. Uh, <laughs> just thought you'd had a fall. No, I'm fine, thank you. That's the power of Daniel Levy. That's his mind work. You're taking the mickey out of his corporate menu and he's he started chucking stuff around your room. Well, the main course is roast fillet of sea bass, roast salsify, and trompette yeah. mushroom with a sauterne sauce. And this was all quoted, you know, the guy who was banned from football stadiums but actually uh, appeared in the, you know, the posh bit at <laughs> yes. Spurs. Yes, um, yeah. They, they took, I mean, he didn't eat all this stuff as far as I know, but they're so short of stuff to amuse us, obviously, with like 16 pages on the coronavirus um, crisis, uh, that they've gone through the whole menu. Not that the guy I ate it, but that's what you could have had. It's what you could have had. Yeah. And I just wondered if you've ever tucked into that, Paul. I've not had the corporate experience at the new place, Martin. No, I've had, they don't do a bad chicken burger. I mean, the food actually <laughs> is into changes, but it's it's yeah. I'm, I'm at the budget end of proceedings. I must say, sorry so to hear. I've not, had, I've not had the pleasure of, of the of the of, of the sea bass. Well, it sort of that sort of brings us round to um, the thing that I've watched most, and it's a, a hit show on uh, Netflix, which is called The English Game. Do you know about this? Oh yes, we've watched. Oh uh, yes, yes, three yes. of them. We've watched a couple. Yeah, oh, yeah Andy's watched. Three, I watched, I watched a watched lot. Two. I sat sat down and watched them all with the misses. Now there was a, oh. a novelty. Mm. Yes. Well, the thing is, it's it's sort of about football, but only very. I mean, if you're watching it for the football, don't bother. Don't bother. There's, a, there's about <laughs> in the whole six episodes. There's maybe. Four and a half minutes of football, and uh, and all the, and they're all wearing long they're all wearing long trousers, you know, and bowler hats. It's it's the very early they're not wearing bowler hats, but it's the very early days of the uh, of the English game, and it's written by Julian Fellows, who wrote uh, Downton Abbey. So it's very much mm. an upstairs downstairs thing. I mean, the the one side, yeah, the very early days of football was teams like Old Etonians, Old Carthusians, all that sort of stuff. And it covers the period where the professionals took over. And as we know, uh, professional football started in Lancashire. It was teams like Blackburn and Preston and uh, Darwin uh, that, that started football. And it, it, it sort of um, centres around a game between Darwin and the old Etonians. 
Uh, and the guy, Arthur Kinnaird, who was a you know, big star footballer in the days before uh, professionalism and later actually became chief executive of the, of the FA and sort of ran the game as it became uh, professional. And an amateur team, after about, I think it was 1880, an amateur team never won the uh, FA Cup again. So it was you know, properly professional. But because it's yeah. uh, because it's Julian Fellows doing it, it becomes a sort of upstairs downstairs thing. So you've got the upstairs people; they're the people who live on large estates uh, down in the south of England, you know, hunting and fishing and all that. And mm. then the people, so they're the, they're the upstairs people. There, the downstairs people are mill workers in Lancashire. And you don't actually get anybody saying, eh, there's trouble at mill. But it is very much a <laughs> trouble at mill narrative. Ah, it's trouble at yeah. mill. Uh, it's one of those narratives up north and then um, the old Etonian thing down south. And it's, it's a little bit soapy and a little bit soppy, I think. Yeah. You know, it's about, yeah. Did you yeah. notice that as well? Yeah, yeah it's a bit so- it. it is a bit soapy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy's enjoyed I, I, it. it. Took him back. I he was there. Uh, he was at quite a few of those <laughs> games. I remember it. I would dispute with you, uh, Martin, about the football. Though I thought the first game, five all, was tremendously exciting. And then I thought they were very unlucky to lose five nil in the in the replay, where they got kicked off the park. So I think the football's you know, alert. quite. Quite <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of kicking. There was a lot of kicking. Um, it yeah. was. Uh, I mean, football was because the old Etonians were. They were in charge. They were the team in 1878 or 1879, mm. and uh, it was like an extension of the Eton Wall game. To be yeah. honest, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it was just there was no. And the Scots. I mean, I, I say professional football started properly in Lancashire. Started properly in Glasgow, actually. Um, and uh, can you hear me, by the way? My uh, connection. Oh, yes. Oh, no, no we're no, listening away. Yeah, we're listening. We're listening and we, we try yeah. not to interrupt you. I mean, I, I think yeah, old Etonians. I say old Etonians are in charge now, I think you'll find as well. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, they were really in charge at the same time. But the, the, uh, Darwin, who were the, the sort of Lancashire mill town, they brought down a couple of Scottish players. And the Scots, mm. before anybody, had uh, worked. You know, the Scots were, if you like, the best players in the world. That's changed yeah. a bit, but um, they. Uh, <laughs> aye, aye. Aye, aye. Yes. Yes. I like to annoy people, but they brought down these two players from Partick, and uh, they they passed the ball, which had never been done. You yeah. know, the whole idea of football is they all charge forward, following the ball, rather like a like an under seven team. Uh, and the, the Scots, you know, played the passing game. And uh, it is fascinating to see how a sport that has completely taken over the world. I mean, look how bereft we all are everywhere because there's no work, because there's no football. You know, I mean, yeah. admittedly, same in America because there's no baseball because that should have been starting, shouldn't it? Um, yes, but, indeed. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting to see if you can put all the soapy stuff to one side, the actual story, because it's a story about class, basically. Yeah. It's the same story as rugby league. Rugby league, exactly the same story. You know, people okay. want to get paid for, you know, mm. and they started that 1890, whatever it was, in, uh, in Huddersfield. So probably, mm. you know, more of a Yorkshire basis there. But it's the same basic story and uh, it's it's well worth watching i would say oh okay uh, good all right we'll check that out. You, can, well, well, you can watch it with the missus um i also watched uh, two tribes bt sport which is the yes oh, yeah. yep story about liverpool football in the 80s 
that mm. that I enjoyed that very much because you know mainly because of the footage they had. They had little clips of uh, boys from the black stuff. Uh, they had Michael Hazel time. Now he doesn't uh, appear in many football documentaries, but he <laughs> was there. He was there to tell us that during the eighties uh, there was a wampant inflation and a rising unemployment. Because uh, <laughs> he does have that slight uh, blessing with a little bit of a Welsh uh, tinge. But it was great. Graham mm. Sharp was was a good witness on that. Mark Lawrence. It was a bleak time, and who better to describe bleak times than Mark Lawrence? Uh, he was on the show. <laughs> it was footage of the t- Toxteth Rats, lots of Derek Hatton, and uh, you know, if you were a fan of Liverpool football, Everton, or Liverpool in the in the eighties, well worth watching. And if you have time, one more stuff that I want, one more thing that I want. Yeah, go for it, Martin. Yeah. Uh, well, I watched uh, on Sky Sports, which I've seen before, but it, it's still out there. And it's well, the thing about Sky Sports mm. is that they're um, they're suspending uh, your subscription for a while, aren't they? So even though you can still get the stuff, you don't have to pay for it all um, if you're a you know if you're a current subscriber, which is good. And they're and they're putting on they're putting little sort of Sky Sport documentaries on, which you can get very easily just by going into catch up. Uh, and the one I watched was uh, We're Not Really Here, the one about Manchester City in the late mm. 90s, when it all went absolutely pear-shaped. Uh, but you could see you know, when they beat um, uh, Gillingham on penalties in the final, and they had uh, Paul Dickoff and Nicky Weaver, very funny. They were sort of giving yeah. you a commentary of what was going on in 1998-99. So if you're a City fan, definitely, we're not really here, and it's there on Sky Sports, so you can get it anytime you want. Uh, thanks, Martin. And also, I've been watching uh, an excellent 30 for 30 I hadn't seen before. called, And it's a classic 30 for 30 thing, this, because it's called the Marinovich Project. And it's about a quarterback called Todd Marinovich. And you think, well, I don't know who he is. I'm not interested in this. But it's such a fascinating story about a dad who was a complete control freak and basically took this kid from an early stage and basically honed him into being this NFL quality quarterback, but he couldn't deal with it. He went off the rails. It's a fascinating story. I recommend that one, definitely. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that for next week. When you said the Marinovich Project, I thought, I'm sure I remember that from uh, the Woody Allen (laughs) film, Sleeper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll definitely Um, definitely watch that for next week, definitely. How is um, lockdown um, going in the Kellner household, Martin? Yeah, not too bad, to be honest. It's myself, my wife, and um, my youngest daughter, you know, the one that I like. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all doing that. We're doing that sort of house party thing with the other kids, like everybody is. Yeah. I did a I did a podcast with somebody on Zoom the other night. So I'm sort of at this very late stage learning how technology works. No, I, I never right. trust it all. I was, you know, every, every, every couple of minutes, it's like Sandy Powell, you know, can you hear me? Can you hear me, yes, mother? Yes. <laughs> Tell me it's about it. Like, it's a little bit <laughs> like that. But it's all sort of working so far. So uh, so that's all good. And I'm on at one o'clock in the morning, which is a oh. bizarre. I did, I did it last week as well um, because I've got this set up IPDTL thing. And um, I, I'm just in my little, it's probably an exaggeration to call it an office. I'm in my little room downstairs. <laughs> And, um, for, you know, so I sit here talking to myself, as far as I know, a couple of people <laughs> in uh, the Philippines for four hours, and then just roll yeah. straight into bed, which is um, it's quite interesting. It's quite an interesting experience. And, it, you know, it's different from normal. And I never even bother switching my phone off. Um, who's yeah. that? That's <laughs> your phone. My phone's still Yeah, that's, goodness. Yeah, that's good news. More <laughs> work coming in. Schoolboy yeah. error. 
Well, thank you, Martin, especially for that mention of uh, Sandy Powell there. Marvellous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they expect it. I like to give the people Beautiful. what they want. I'm a, cr- I'm a crowd pleaser. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, that's an uncanny uh, Steve Bruce impression by Dent. Uh, he say he does. We were saying yesterday he has to squash his nose into his face to get the vocal right, and uh, he thinks he's going to stay like it. But uh, anyway... Uh, that's us then thanks for listening uh, this week thanks for downloading the podcast as always we'll attempt to do it all again next week from one until then we wish you well stay indoors stay safe and we will catch up with you on Monday you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.